Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. Jesus, the name of Jesus, born of a virgin to pay the ultimate price for us, God's chosen son, born in a stable and placed in a manger. Wise men travel day and night to bring gifts and worship the king. He is the Messiah. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is Emmanuel. He is the great I am. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the almighty God. He is the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. He is going to be in uh, uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter number nine. And I know there's a, an elephant in the room. Before we get to the elephant, um, I want to uh, uh, address something. I know that in the, uh, the um, announcement video, they talked about, the, they said the word registration. And I saw some of you grimace. You hate registration, like registration. Ugh, yuck. And registration's okay. We, tr- we really want to word it more like reserve your seat. And so uh, how many of you, you promise me, you promise, don't raise your hand if you're not going to promise that you will go out to connect at the end of the service and you will, I mean, you will reserve a seat for one of the Christmas Eve services, either uh, on the 23rd or the 24th, raise your hand. Okay, good, good. Awesome. All right. Make sure you do that. Or if you miss you know, we won't hold it against you. You can always go to hamiltonhills.org and do that. So Pastor Mark is not here this morning. I know some of you already know, but I got a call about, I think it was like 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. that uh, uh, Pastor Mark had broke his ankle. And uh, uh, it's a, not a weight-supporting bone, but he has to stay off of it. And I was trying to encourage him to come speak anyway because he's high on pain medication. And I thought that would be really awesome, you know, to, man, can you imagine? Uh, cut that part out of the message. I don't want to get fired. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, and, and, and it's, it's lucky that it happened before the Georgia-Alabama game. Otherwise, no one would be believing that he is not here because of a, of a broken ankle, him being a Georgia Bulldog fan. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter number 9. And uh, this is where we're getting the text for the entire sermon series, He Is. He is. And uh, Isaiah, as he writes this, I love the tense that he puts it in. It's a present tense. He says, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So that over the next couple of weeks until we get to Christmas Eve, we'll be uh, diving into each one of those names of Jesus. Uh, he goes on and writes, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord's heaven's armies will make this happen. We're going to dive into wonderful counselor, wonderful counselor this morning. Before we do I want to uh, plead with you. Um, I, I think it's very dangerous. Or, or I could even say that I, b- I believe with all my heart that there are two things that 
American Christian culture Christians are addicted to. One, I think that we as Christians can very easily be addicted to great biblical application that gives us great leadership qualities that help us become better human beings on this earth. Not that there's anything wrong with being a good human being on this earth, but we can become very addicted by using the Bible and biblical application to make us better so that we can have a better life here on earth. And the second thing is, I feel like uh, the American Christian culture is addicted to conviction. I believe we're addicted to conviction. I think there's so much unrealness out there that as soon as we hear realness, we love hearing realness. We love real things. That's why cutting down your own Christmas tree from a Christmas tree farm is a huge thing, especially with millennials, because we're so used to nothing being real that just for one second, actually putting our hand on a saw and sawing something down for two seconds and then standing in line for three hours to pay for it, at least gives us some sense of genuinity. But I believe that conviction is one of those things where we leave a message and we say, wow, what a powerful sermon. Wow, what a great biblical application. Wow, what a message. And instead of being overtaken or overwhelmed with the message, we should be, I'll say this, I have, not with me, I hear Pastor Mark when people walk out and shake his hand, they say, wow, what a great message. Very rarely do I hear, man, that was powerful. I know exactly what I need to do. This is what I'm going to do with that message. We're going to talk about it later on in the message, but faith is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Two of the greatest things given to us as Christians is love and faith, and they neither of them are feelings. They are both actions can't say you have faith and not move. You can't say you have love and not give. I'm pleading with you this morning that as you listen to the message, not to judge it on the content of the message, but judge it on what are you going to do about it. My prayer is that you will leave changed, not encouraged. I hope you're encouraged. I hope a byproduct of this message is that you are encouraged, but I hope you leave changed, not just in the mind, but in your heart. Isaiah beautifully writes, in fact, I can't help but every time I hear uh, uh, verse number six to think of Handel's Messiah, right? I'm not going to do it. Okay, I'll do a little bit. Wonderful counsel. Oh man, that was beautiful. Stephen, you should uh, employ me to be on the worship team. Wonderful counselor. In fact, when Isaiah writes it, in fact, some translations uh, translate it not as an adjective. They translate it, he shall be called wonderful counselor. Many translations put the two words together, but it is a wonderful counselor. I want you to focus on that word wonder because we can jump right over and say counselor oh we all need advice we all need a plan we all need something to do and we'll get into that in just a moment because Jesus is not just a counselor he is the counselor he doesn't just have a plan for you he has the plan for you but I want us to focus on the word wonderful for just a moment and think about what that means Webster's uh, uh, definition is this it is listen effective or efficient 
far beyond anything, anything previously known or anticipated. When Isaiah was saying he was a wonderful counselor, he was saying to the people of Israel, something's going to come far beyond anything you could have ever anticipated. Far beyond anything you could have ever imagined. His counsel, his plan is full of wonder. Do you remember the first time that you were filled with wonder? Hopefully for most of us, it was as a child. I noticed the Christmas season, and this may come across as a little tacky, but I remember being either five or six years old. We were living in a trailer in Dresden, Maine. We had very, very little money. My dad was a church planner. I think we were in the, the first or second year of our church plant. We had no money, no joke. We ate rice for a year. You say, well, rice with, no, rice. We literally ate rice for a year. I remember every once in a while for breakfast, we had, uh, you know, not the name brand, the store brand Cheerios, sometimes without milk. I remember it becoming Christmas time and somehow my dad and mom scrounged some money together and got a real Christmas tree. They probably went into the woods and illegally cut one down. They cut one down, put white lights. By the way, if you put colored lights on your Christmas tree, you're not right with God. <laughs> white lights are the best. I'm joking. I remember we didn't have money for wrapping paper, so the three or four gifts that were underneath for me and my two sisters were wrapped in newspaper. And I remember the church even though it was a young church rallied, especially one family, and they went out and bought us kids a bunch of Christmas gifts. And I remember like two or three days before Christmas, the Christmas tree, instead of just having three or four gifts, all of a sudden had like 40 or 50 gifts. I was five, six, like I said, years old. I remember I wanted a Tonka truck. And I was hoping that there was going to be a Tonka trunk underneath it. And I remember the night before Christmas, on Christmas Eve, I was laying on the couch. I'll never forget it. I was laying side when I was staring at the Christmas tree with God's chosen lights, white lights. (laughs) And I remember the anticipation. I remember the wonder that morning on Christmas morning at 6 a.m. We rushed in, woke our parents up. We couldn't wait to open our gifts. And I opened it up and there it was, my Tonka truck. I remember the first time that my daughter, or not the first time my daughter was born, but I remember my daughter being born. I remember holding her for the very first time. I remember nothing could have prepared me for that moment. People tried. People said, oh, it's going to be a great moment. And I guess I believe them, but nothing could have prepared me for looking into my daughter Jocelyn's eyes for the very first time. It was amazing. It filled me with wonder. I remember the first time that I ever saw the ocean from inside of a plane. My dad had a pilot's license and we took a Cessna up into the air. We lived in May and I could see the Atlantic Ocean from the Cessna. I couldn't believe how big it was. Nothing could have prepared me for that moment. Can I tell you this morning that God has a plan for you and nothing can prepare you for that plan. He has advice for you. He has the gift of his wisdom and knowledge 
He is the wonderful counselor. And even though it may be painful because transition is painful and growth is painful. Can I tell you this morning that as we start this message that God has something for you so great you cannot anticipate it and it will fill you with wonder. When I was a student pastor here, every two or three weeks, I would get down off the stage and before I spoke, I would call out students by name. Some of you are in here and I would say, God has a plan for you. If I could take the time this morning, I'd literally go to every single one of you individually because God has individually designed you and individually loved you and individually has a plan for every single one of you. Right now, he has a plan for you. And if you knew what that plan was and the result of that plan You wouldn't do anything but call it wonderful. God this morning wants you to know that he has a plan for your life. Isaiah called him wonderful counselor. I am more aware than ever, and I'm sure the older I get, the more I'll be aware of my wandering heart And my inability to constantly think about the wonder of God. My heart wanders so easily. And if you were honest this morning, we could all agree that even though we get consumed with times of wonder and God helps us through a situation or God just blows the doors off of our life and we can't believe the unbelievable blessings, we soon forget the wonder of our Savior. I believe firmly that the enemy is in a constant battle for us to be consumed with wonder over anything but God, our creator. He would love for you this morning to fall in love with the creation. The enemy would. He doesn't even mind if you recognize that God created it. Just so long as you worship the creation more than you worship the creator. The enemy would love for you to get a sign that says Jesus is the reason for the season as long as it's just a sign. He'd love for you to get a nice little Jesus sticker, fish sticker, and pop it right on the back of your bumper. Because that's not belief, and that's, I mean, that's not faith, and that's not real love. Love is action, and faith is action. The enemy is constantly trying to get us to have wonder over circumstances, over things that aren't real. And we're addicted to it, aren't we? Aren't we addicted to wonder? Aren't we just looking? I mean, Americans right now are spending more money in the next 40 days off of unbudgeted items than they will for the entire year. Why? Because they're searching for wonder. They, had, they took a snapshot of wonder when they were younger, like I did. We have a Christmas tree with white lights on it. Do you know why? And I know I joked about it. Do you know why? Because a long time ago, when I was five or six years old, white Christmas lights are what filled me with wonder. 
We're in a constant search for wonder. We're trying to feel the same feeling that we had before. How many of you went away to college and then when you came home, it wasn't the same? Remember the, 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 the house that you used to live in that seemed so big and then after 20 years you go back and visit it and you're like, wow, that's the house I live. That's so small. Why? Because we're constantly looking for wonder. But our wonder is supposed to point us to the creator. Counselor can be defined as many things. It can be studied out that... Not only did Isaiah mean counsel in as advice or consultation, but more than that, Isaiah was saying that Jesus would be the wonderful planner. That he has a wonderful plan for your life. And even though it's inexplainable, oftentimes it will lead us to wonder. So how do we get the wonderful counsel or the wonderful plan of God? How do we know God's plan? I have one point, and it's not because I didn't have a whole lot of time to study last night. I have a big blank spot for you to write down some things, but one point. If you get this, get it. Nothing else. Number one, ask for it. It's so hard being a pastor and coming up with strong biblical application. Pastor Matt, how do we, become, how do we know God's plan? You ask for it. You ask for it. By the way, the man who says that he doesn't need counsel or advice is a fool, is a liar. We all are in need of counsel or advice. Did you know that 93 million Americans have searched for health-related topics on health this year? 93 million. That's a lot of people. How many of you have ever Googled a health-related topic before? Raise your hand. Yeah. So anytime Jocelyn coughs, before the cough is thoroughly or thoroughly omitted. My wife has already got the Google machine out and we already know how many minutes she has left to live. <laughs> First time that somebody asked me, they said, hey, uh, Pastor Matt, you work a little bit with wood. Could you build me a table, but I want a round table. I said, yes, I can. I had no idea how to do it. You know what I did? I went on YouTube. And I asked for God's wisdom. (laughs) There's a way to do anything. And it seems like in today's technology and in today's society, we can very quickly have an answer to anything we need almost before we need it. According to studentscholarship.com, there are currently 665,000 people employed as a counselor in the United States of America which I think is awesome. That's great. Most of us have no problem asking for advice or asking for counsel or seeking counsel or seeking advice out. But the truth is, is that we oftentimes go to YouTube, Google, or anywhere else to find advice or counsel or how we should plan before we seek out godly wisdom and God's plan. First Corinthians chapter two in verse number one. I know this is a, a little bit of a long passage that I'm going to read, but I want you to follow along with me. We have it on the screen. If you have your Bible, it's in first Corinthians chapter two. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he says this. 
He says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ. What an unbelievable statement. Paul is saying the first time that I met with you, I didn't want you to get caught up in lofty words or in an impressive message. Can I tell you this morning? I would employ you this morning. I would plead with you this morning. Please don't get cut. Well, you're not going to get caught up in impressive words or a lofty message. But don't look for an impressive message. Don't look for someone to motivate you with words this morning. Look for the Holy Spirit. He says this in verse number two, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, verse four, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. If you came this morning to get motivational words to move you so much that you have a life change, I'm, you are sadly mistaken. The best thing that we could do as individuals this morning is ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and change us. I love Hamilton Hills. I love our production. I love what we do. But I can tell you, being on this pastoral staff is amazing. And our lead pastor, Pastor Mark, says constantly, this can all go away in a minute. It is but for the power of God and his spirit that we can experience him in worship. Some of us this morning, as we came in, we said, man, I, I hope the music's not going to be too loud. I hope it won't be too quiet. I hope that someone is sitting next to me, but not too close to me, maybe like one chair away. The chair better be padded. I want the seat exactly where I want it. By the way, it's all, if you're feeling guilty, I'm not trying to like shame you. I'm just saying normally when we come in, we're coming in with anticipation of being comfortable. Can I tell you something? God's plan for us usually doesn't involve comfort. It involves growth. Can I tell you that growth is not comfortable? That's why they call it growing pains. Because Christianity is not about our comfort level. Christianity is about us being transformed into the image of Christ. And I got news for you and I got news for me. We are not Jesus Christ. We're very far from it. We have a lot of growing to do. So guess what? There's going to be a lot of discomfort in this life. We have a phrase around here. We say life is messy. One of the ways life becomes messy is because we fight against the growth that God wants us to experience. We choose comfort over transformation. You hear often said from our worship leader or from Pastor Mark or whoever's speaking that I don't know what you're going through this morning because guess what? We don't know what you're going through. You don't know what I'm going through. No one can truly empathize with anybody in this room. But God has a plan for you and in whatever you're going through or whatever you have been through, God is wanting to transform your life. 
Verse 6, yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak is of the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began, but the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. The truth of the matter is, is that our wisdom cannot be compared. Man's wisdom, YouTube's wisdom, Google's wisdom, although helpful, is not anywhere near as powerful or as potent as the Holy Spirit and godly wisdom. So how do we get it? We ask for it. We ask for it. I'm going to have you, uh, if you throw up that slide with the map on it. This is Solvang, California. Anyone ever been to Solvang? Anybody? Okay, we got two back here. Awesome. Sweet. Anybody else? Been to Solvang, California. Okay, so I can mostly make up whatever I want. All right. I'm joking. So my wife, uh, uh, my wife's mom, my mother-in-law lives in Los Angeles area. And several years ago for Christmas, we had uh, traveled out, uh, flew out to um, California to see my mother. And um, I call her mom. And uh, she had been, and I think Denise had, had already been to Solvang. So it's a, it's a Swiss village. So it's a really cool place. It's kind of like back a couple years and several years in time. And it's really touristy now. But it's kind of a neat place. You can get like real Swiss cocoa and real Swiss chocolate. And they got the windmill thing going on. And it's a really, really cool place. And so uh, we decided to take a trip to Solvang, California. And my mom... Uh, uh, said, I want you to drive. I said, all right. She had a white Toyota Corolla. I think she actually has, still has the same white Toyota Corolla. And we traveled. Can you see the black, the black, uh, that was me, by the way. I did this all by myself. I didn't, it's amazing, isn't it? This PowerPoint. It's incredible. Yeah. I did this at like 10, 8, 10 PM last night. Um, I, the black line is, is the line that, that my GPS was telling me to take. You see that all the way over there, then through there, you see the, the dark green area. That's some really tall mountains, like super tall. But am I afraid of tall mountains? No, I'm not. Not at all. They don't, they don't scare me at all. GPS was saying, listen, I know the best way. You need to go around the mountain range over to there. I saw on the Rand McNally map, the old school map, I looked it up, and there was a road that goes over the mountain. I said, if I remember right, that the shortest point between A and B is a straight line. And I know that's not exactly straight, but it's a whole lot straighter than that other line. <laughs> so I went off the, off, the, off the beaten path and we drove up, drove up, drove up, drove up. My GPS, when we took the turn, said, you still have an hour and 25 minutes or an hour and a half left. I said, hmm, 45 minutes. I'm cutting this time in half, baby. And I went off of the advice of the GPS and I decided to take the scenic route and went up the mountain range, but I made it about halfway. I got to the top of the mountain and it turned into a road that it would be, I would be surprised for a four-wheeler to be able to cross. There was no way this Toyota Corolla 
although it was a four-cylinder and uh, power steering, it was not going to be able to make it all the way to Solvang, California. And when I got all the way up, I had to travel all the way back down the mountain and thus giving my mother-in-law the right to say I'm wrong about everything for the rest of my life. (laughs) My point is this. God has a plan for you. And when we deviate from the plan, we cause a whole lot more mess and embarrassment and shame than it is necessary. Sometimes we say, God, I, I get, I know you want me to take the longer path. It's going to take me longer to get there. It's going to be more painful. And God says, I know that it looks like that's the shortest distance, but can I tell you, trust me in my plan. God's plan is always based. Say, Pastor Matt, I know that. You could, give, you could have given me a test. We could have avoided this whole message. Just have given me a test before we walked in. Say, which plan is better, my plan or God's plan? I would have checked box, God's plan. I could have walked out and everything would have been fine. This is a total waste of my time. Can I tell you that we oftentimes mix God's plan with our plan and that's where we really get ourselves into big trouble. We start saying, God, I'm going to have a great week. I got to start it off right, though. I go to church so that I can have a really good week. Can I tell you, you don't go to church so that you can have a really good week. That's why many of you came in here this morning stumbling and dragging your way in going, oh, man, I hope everything is set up right for me to have a good experience at church. Because you view your plan as the best plan, as long as you can add God to the mix. So this is what's truly scary, although it's only one point and it's very simple. Ask for it. How do we get God's plan? We ask for his wisdom. We ask for God's plan. It has to be this. It has to be asked in faith. If we rewind to the beginning of the message, I said faith is a what? It's a action. Come on, guys, you can do better than that. Faith is a what? It's a action. It is not a feeling. If you're trying to muster up faith, it ain't faith. If you're standing on a ledge about to jump into the water and you're going to go, all right, here we go. All right, I got to have faith to do this. All right, ready? Faith, 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 faith. Oh, man, I feel really good. I did it. In fact, I even envisioned jumping off into the water. It was awesome. Or man, that motivational speech by the pastor about jumping into the water was really, really good. Man, I was even convicted. Shed a tear. I went down to the altar and prayed and there was only like four people that did. That's not faith. Faith is stepping out. Don't worry, I'm not going to do it. I know I worry some of you people with how close I get to the edge. Faith is action. That means when God reveals to you what he wants you to do after you ask him, you have to do it. Even if it doesn't make sense. speak to you all individually again. God has a wonderful plan for you. A 
wonderful plan. So great, it can't be anticipated. Take the birth of your child and multiply that wonder times infinity. Take that moment when you were a child, when you were filled with wonder. Multiply it times infinity. God has a plan, a wonderful plan for you. Many of us jump off that track and off that train as soon as the transformation starts to hurt. Because in our American culture, working through a hard time and trusting God and his transformation and it not making sense doesn't fit the American dream. To us, we look at steps down is not God's plan. Going backwards is not God's plan. We always need to be obtaining, right? What's bigger? What's better? What's best? Promotion. Building our kingdom a little bit bigger. And can I tell you that if it's just comfort that you seek, you're never going to experience the wonder that God has for you. And can I tell you, it's so much greater than anything this world has to offer. And we know that. We know it, don't we? But it's so hard to take that step. This morning, Whatever the enemy is putting in your mind right now, I can't. I know God wants me to. I Can you take that step of faith this morning? For some of you, maybe that step of faith is simply having enough faith to ask God for his plan. For some of you in here this morning, you know what God wants of you. Maybe giving something up and maybe selling something to give to something. It it could be anything. It could be not taking the promotion at your job because it means you're not going to be able to spend enough time with your family to disciple them. I don't know what it is. I could go on with a bunch of illustrations. I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit is working in your heart right now and telling you exactly what you need to do. But will you have the faith, the action, the go to believe his plan is more wonderful than yours or anybody else's. My parents had a plan for me. Then my friends had a plan for me. My enemies have had a plan for me. My friends have had a plan for me. My college had a plan for me. Churches I've attended had a plan for me. They had everything planned out. And I was listening to all these voices all around and all of their plans and my own plans and the enemy's plans. And I had to drown them out and say, God, what is your plan? Because God is not one of those, the Holy Spirit is not a voice that's going to scream in your ear. This is what you need to do. You have to ask him. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.